Hi, I'm Jess, co-host of the Elder Tree podcast and herbalist at Evans Head Naturopathy. You're listening to the Self-Care with Herbs segment, where each month I invite a new guest to chat about how weaving plants into their days enriches their experience of self-care, exploring routines, rituals and recipes for elevating mind, body and spirit. Hello and thanks for tuning in. Today I'm chatting with Sally Kingsford-Smith, a naturopathic herbalist, Reiki practitioner and teacher, practicing on the land of the Wongal people of the Eora Nation. Sally's a graduate of the Dorothy Hall School of Herbal Medicine and through her teachings continues Dorothy's legacy. During our chat we delve into Sally's first forays into the plant world, playing with the fairies and making fairy gardens in her leafy backyard as a child mixing up potions and talking to the plants. During her 20s, working in an office, feeling unfulfilled and suffering debilitating headaches, Sally shares how she sought out the help of a practitioner of natural medicine. This encounter would change her path, leading her to the herbal medicine schools of first Dennis Stewart and then Dorothy Hall. Sally shares how Dorothy's teachings touched her deeply and strengthened her relationship with not only her clients, but also the plants, and continues to underpin her practice today. Sally describes herself as a bit of a brown bottle herbalist. She doesn't have room for an extensive herd garden, but gosh, to hear her speak of her relationship with Tulsi and Mugwort, both of whom she has growing in her suburban garden, her passion and connection really shines through. Sally's teacher, Dorothy Hall, has had a lifelong impact. And throughout our chat, Sally shares so many beautiful gems of her teachings, including person picture herbs, which help us connect each individual with a particular herb based on different physical, emotional, spiritual traits. We chat about how daily self-care helps us to experience the positive side of our person picture herbs and also how as practitioners identifying a client's person picture herb can help us to tailor the self-care we recommend to them. You'll find so much wisdom in this interview as Sally so generously shares her story. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome Sally. Hey Jess, lovely to be here. I'm really excited to have you on today. Um, as you know, our connection is through your beautiful course that I was lucky enough to take part in, um, which really deepened my relationship with the plants and also my um, change the way that I practice using herbal medicine. And I'm really looking forward to delving into the background of that course and, and how you came to practice in that way. Okay. Um, so how I got to study with Dorothy? Yeah, well, we might, well, go, we might go a little okay. bit further back. I know, okay. that, um, okay. I know that wasn't your first first no, introduction to herbal wasn't. medicine. Yeah, and so why don't we go right back? I know that your first connection started quite early on. Why don't we go right back and um, to chat about how that relationship with plant medicine really began? Okay. Um, so how it really began. So like a lot of people that I think both you and I know in our circles, it started when I was really quite little. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in suburban Sydney, but Sydney back then where I was growing, it was very leafy. Um, we had a, a spare block at the back of us that was the back paddock where my older sister kept a horse. We had, my dad was a very keen gardener. We had a very beautiful garden and my two older sisters were a lot older than me and there were no kids in our areas so I played by myself a lot. So I would play a lot in the garden with my dolls and with the fairies that were there. Mm -hmm. um, I used to, mum taught us how to make fairy gardens. Um, you'd get a saucer or she would give me a saucer and you would gather moss and rocks and plants and little things like that and pop, pop that up for the fairies. Um, there was also a financial bonus because you might get a threepenny bit um, from the fairies because you'd made such a pretty garden for them. <laughs> but I, I would make, I remember making medicines for my dolls back then. Um, I remember a very clear connection with buttercups. Ah. Um, it was one of my early 
There's one part of the garden where there were lots of buttercups growing very freely and forget-me-nots. Mm. Um, we had a lot of wild strawberries. There are a lot of other plants, but that part of the garden was a bit wilder. Um, so it started with that, mm. really. Um, then I, when I knew you were going to ask a question like this, I was sort of reflecting a bit more as a teenager, you know, when you get to that age of, of having, well, in, in my, my era, you get to the age of, of having a boyfriend and you all have cars and we were the sort that would, kids who would go camping on weekends. Um, there was a big group of us, maybe between 15 and 20 of us, quite often sometimes smaller groups, and we would go camping on weekends, whereas some of the girls I knew from school were going to discos. Discos mm -hmm. were new then, um, but we would go camping so that connection with nature I think strengthened mm. my, in my teenage years and bushwalking. I was the one when my partner and I got together and we would often go for bushwalks with friends of ours and my girlfriend and I, the guys would be off way, way, way ahead of us. We could have fallen off a cliff and I don't think they would have known because <laughs> we'd be stopping to talk to all the tiny little plants that we'd find along the way. It was, it was always the little ones mm. that called to us both, which is often the case with Australian plants, mm. particularly in the mountains or places like that, you'll get the tiny little flowers. So we would always be stopping to talk to the plants then. Mm. So that's... That's how it first began. Yeah. Do you, want, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, and I know that um, you have been described as a bit of an earth mother and I'd love to hear how that, yes. how that came about. Uh, I had made a lot of, through a lot of circumstances, going to the school in the States for a year when I was 14 at a very experimental it was a state school but it was a very experimental school and from that coming back to the very rigid format of a private Anglican girls school mm -hmm. um, here I found the confines of that were not to my nature and so I left school after the end of what used to be the end of fourth year equivalent to year 10 now mm -hmm. And um, went and did a graphic design course, which I didn't finish. So I ended up, anyway, long story short, I ended up with <laughs> in doing clerical work and doing accounts work and things like that, which weren't suited to my nature at all. Um, but I had the, the people in the office would describe me as an earth mother. Mm -hmm. um, I think because I wore flat heels and I didn't wear much makeup and I didn't have nail polish on and... Yeah, I, I didn't wear hippie clothes into the office, but mm -hmm. I certainly did on weekends. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I was, to them I was very much an earth mother. And how, how, um, how did that um, year in the States affect you? That sounds like that was quite pivotal, that experience. It was very pivotal. Oh, I didn't think we were going to talk about this. So my dad had a lot of business connections in the States and there was one family he knew who lived in just out of Boston, mm -hmm. um, a fairly large-ish Jewish, they had five kids, large-ish Jewish family and they often had a, their kids never travelled but they would often have somebody from overseas living with them and they, Joe was on the phone call to Dad one time and said, would my older sister like to go and visit? and stay with them and Marin was very much she had been a beatnik when she was at college she'd done fashion design um she wasn't interested in going it didn't suit her style of life at that stage mm -hmm. but I was 13 I think when it was first decided or 14 I was very very shy mm -hmm. massively you know these days you'd say I probably had social anxiety but social anxiety disorder but I was shy mm -hmm. um but I heard the conversation and I said, I'd love to go, which really rocked my parents. Um, I don't know how my mum let me go <laughs> for a whole year. Um, but so Dad and I flew across to the States together. He stayed for a few days and then left. And there I was. Wow. <laughs> In this, um, living with this family, the two older children had left home um, mm -hmm. 
and then there was Katie who was my age um, and we were to share a room. We did share a room. We didn't really get on. I got on better with Janie who was at, um, at college in those days. Um, but it was really interesting because the school, although it was a government school, was running a trial program. So it was only years seven, eight and nine. Mm-hmm. And they were running a program which was designed to encourage self-discipline in terms of your schoolwork. So you didn't sit down like I did at school in Sydney. You didn't sit down, take a whole lot of notes, look at what the teacher put on the board, learn it by rote and spew it out in exams. We had um, sub classes were broken up into subjects and some subjects were only for year nine students mm-hmm. um, but other subjects were open for seven, eight and nine. And so you would have a class full of maybe 12 to 14-year-olds or 13 to 15-year-olds and the, most of the class was discussion and your written work you had to have handed in at the end of the semester. You had a study guide which taught you when the, the cut-off dates were I'm doing all this with hand gestures, which you can't see, of course. <laughs> um, but you had to learn how to pace yourself. Mm. And so being very shy, I would blush as soon as I'd open my mouth and somebody would listen to me. Um, and I can still blush as soon as I talk about blushing. Um, <laughs> a bit less now that I'm 70, but I'm still, <laughs> still known to do it. Um, the fact that I was from Australia and they really knew nothing about Australia. I I still remember being asked, how come you speak our language so well? (laughs) Um, And I just about popped out of my skin. I was so outraged. (laughs) Um, I developed sarcasm was a very good form of (laughs) self-defence for me when I was shy like that, um, which didn't always go down well. I had to learn how to moderate that. Um, And I was, you know, you did those typical things of, telling people that kangaroos delivered mail and hopped down the street with the letters in their pouches <laughs> and that sort of stuff because this was, I'm talking mid-60s in, yes. in a little Boston suburb where they really knew very little about Australia. We're worlds away. Yeah, worlds away and, and we didn't have TV shows like Neighbours mm. or Home and Away mm. on, on screens and you never got any news of Australia mm. over there. Um, so you could get away with stories like that and have a bit of fun stirring. Yeah. And when you um, were over in the States, did you mm-hmm. did you continue that connection with the plants? Was there opportunities at that time of your life no, to? No, no it no. wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very yeah. different um, very, experience. Very different. Yeah. Very different and what a, what a great way at, your, at, at that age to experience that different form of learning. And I bet that influenced oh. you as you went on in your schooling. <laughs> it did. It did. Yeah. Um, I know the majority of the girls that I was at school with went on to university, which is what I was expected to do. I'd had a scholarship for that school. Mm-hmm. Um, and my cohort were expected to go to university. The principal actually said to us one day, you know, the girls in your class were going to become the the lawyers and the doctors and, and the girls in the middle class will be the teachers and the nurses and the girls in the bottom class, well, they'll be mothers. Oh, um, so she, she had everything laid, <laughs> laid out for us. Yeah. Um, so I was a big disappointment in that I left <laughs> when I had the scholarship. I left yes. at the end of fourth year and yes. went and did a TAFE course. And spent some time doing some clerical work. And where did your path lead after that? So when I was doing the clerical work, I was getting, with one job, I was getting a lot of headaches, a lot of very, very bad headaches. And I was seeing a local chiropractor who was great. He picked up that I had um, TMJ. It was when TMJ was only a very new thing. He sent me off to a professor of dentistry at Sydney Uni who helped massively. I was also getting um, vertigo. I'd been told by a specialist um, a neurologist in Sydney that I had blood vessels in the back of my neck like those of a migraine sufferers in their heads and I would have to take Stematol and learn to live with it. Mm. Um, so to a very stubborn Tory and that didn't go down very well. So that's when I went looking and I, <clears throat> I found this wonderful chiropractor. But this chiropractor, <clears throat> chiropractor was married at the time 
to a woman who was a lot more alternative than other people I'd come across with. Mm-hmm. So she was into numerology and she had friends who did a lot of past life work. Mm-hmm. And so we became friends with them. And in her numerology session with me, she said that I'd be starting a new career in my 30s. Um, I can't remember what else that she said, but I'd be going back to study um, and my path would be very different. So I was trying to think, well, what would I... And I knew that what I was doing was a dead end for me. I needed Mm. something else. And I didn't know which way my path would go. Um, The job that I'd had by this stage, I was working in accounts and I did like, I actually like my Tory and part of me did like numbers and solving things, but that didn't satisfy all aspects of Mm me. Mm. Um, But then I also had put into my head, I don't know how it came about, I think from something that the numerologist Tanya put into my head, Herbalism came into it and I thought, well, I really love plants. At that stage we were in a flat and I had a little garden where I loved tending to the plants that I was growing. I had a period of being unemployed and I spent a lot of time in the garden. And this was an old house divided into three flats and we had the garden one. Um, I spent a lot of time in the garden there and so I thought herbal medicine. Mm. And at that stage in Sydney there were two main schools of herbal medicine, Um, one run by Dennis Stewart Mm -hmm. and one run by Dorothy Hall, and they both had open days on the same day. Dennis's was in the morning and Dorothy's was in the afternoon, so I went off and listened to Dennis, and I was so swept away by his charismatic speaking Mm -hmm. and his style that I immediately decided to study with him and I didn't go to Dorothy's. Um, I think I was without a car and it meant getting from one place to another with public transport on a Saturday, which wasn't great. <laughs> so I signed up and I started with Dennis um, and loved it, absolutely loved it. But drop dosing was, back then, studying, mm-hmm. was poo-pooed a lot. Oh, you don't get enough of the active constituents, you know, you need you five mils three times a day to get the active constituents and look at the BHP and interesting all this sort of and stuff. And still continues today. It still continues <laughs> today. And we know now that that's not necessarily the True. whole truth of the matter. We do. Um, but I did learn lots of wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And so Dennis's um, teachings were more along the lines of the of the higher doses? I definitely the higher doses. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you didn't... <clears throat> personalities weren't taken into account Mm -hmm. to my recollection of the way it was taught then so I'm now in the Mm mid-80s um the way my recollection is of it that it was very symptom-based yes um very very symptom-based so I did all my study with Dennis and I'd done very well but I then had to do assignments and the assignments were quite large, and you were doing them on a typewriter, not a computer or a laptop then. Yes. Um, and I now know that I have Virgo Ascendant, and my Virgo Ascendant wanted everything to be referenced and cross-referenced, and I put a lot of work into the assignments. And I was trying, I had been trying to get pregnant, I'd been pregnant, and in inverted commas, lost the pregnancy at 16 weeks Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was trying to conceive again and I had conceived um, with the help of Robin Kirby who was one of Dorothy's well one of Dennis's graduates okay Um, I had conceived and I had finished all the course but I was going to do my assignments and when my daughter was born she was full term but my placenta had failed and so she was just over two kilos okay so I spent a lot of time with her. It would take When she was first born, it would take an hour to feed her. Mm-hmm. She didn't sleep a lot, so she might sleep for an hour and then she'd be awake for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was exhausted a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I never finished the assignments. There were ten to do, one for each major body system, and I had two and a half of them done. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or three of them done. So, and I then, four years later, at the age of 40, I had my second daughter. Mm-hmm. And then when she was starting school, I thought, right, I need to get back to herbal medicine. So I approached Dennis's school again. Um, I didn't speak to Dennis, I spoke to somebody else and was advised that I would need to start all over again because <gasps> things had changed so much. Oh. So by this stage, I had learned that Dorothy's methods really worked. Mm-hmm. I have a neighbour whose child was one of the youngest people, or one of the first people and the youngest to be diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome in Australia at the time. She was only 10 and she was seeing a Dorothy Hall practitioner. When I first heard about it in my arrogance, I thought, oh, that family are just wasting their, their time and their money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to help them. And then I met the child and I saw how frail she was and I, she couldn't even stand up against the door frame without leaning mm. um, and her body was so frail and I saw how much this Dorothy's trained person was helping her. And, that's, and this was, sorry, this was before that. So when I was told that by the other school, I then approached Dorothy who welcomed me with welcome arms. Aww. Um, gave me some recognition of prior learning. Dorothy loved it to have a convert from Dennis's school. <laughs> um, so I then started with Dorothy. Um, I should have gone back and done my nat and phys again and I didn't, so I'm awful on that even to this day. Mm-hmm. And biochemistry fries my brains. <laughs> um, but I absolutely loved the way I, that I learnt herbs with Dorothy. It just spoke to me and to an older me. It might not have spoken to me mm-hmm. like that in my 20s, but the way it spoke to me in my 40s with a lot more life experience um, and a much greater connection with plants but also a really much deeper connection with people Mm. and a great love of people, um, which when I was younger I don't think I'd fostered so much or hadn't developed in me as much. So it's how I practice now. Mm. And Um, having having seen that, that success story in in the flesh yes must have really um helped influence that decision oh (laughs) yes definitely yeah definitely yeah Yeah. Yeah. i've really loved hearing that story sally and it's one um that is quite familiar i find not only the other practitioners that i'm interviewing but also myself it's often an early love of plants and spending time with the plants as a really young child and spending time in the garden and making potions and fairy gardens and and then having that time later on in life where you somehow run into a pivotal practitioner who influences your life and that really helps to cement the decision that this is the right path for you. Yep. Yeah, it's a really, yes. um, really um, familiar trajectory. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask you a little bit now, Sally, about what self-care means to you. Uh, okay. <laughs> and I find um, often this question with practitioners in our field is one that doesn't come naturally because we are naturally <laughs> carers. <laughs> yes. Awkward laughter going on here. <laughs> very, very grimy laughter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, squirming on the inside, laughing on the outside. Um, and you know, when I talk about a grimy, you know the person picture I'm talking yeah. about. Yes. Who's done the course? Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know grimy in Dorothy Hall's person pictures, um, similar to the to the bark or the batch flower person. So the grimy person will outwardly be laughing at life, um, but inwardly they're not comfortable. So I'm not a, a negative agrimony, but it's certainly yes. an agrimony sort of thing for me. Like that little um, ducky on the water, all smooth on oh, the yes. surface, legs fluttering underneath. <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned that. When I first started in practice, um, people and people have said for a long time that I'm a very calm person to be with. I used to work as a teacher's aide and the kindy teachers would like me in the classroom because I was calm and patients often say that when I first started practicing I imagined myself as a duck and I even bought myself a little 
I don't wear bracelets with Lucky Charms, but I bought myself a little Lucky Charm that was a duck <laughs> from the shop next to the, where I was practising from because yeah. I felt so, yeah, that paddle, paddle, paddle. So, yeah, yeah we do that. Um, so with so, that discomfort. <laughs> with that me deflecting the question very well, yeah. squirting my whack back to it, self-care. So self-care is what I often preach but don't practice so yes. well. Yes. It's me being very croaky at the moment with it's, yeah, not me. I mean, it's me not doing it by being very croaky at the moment mm -hmm. with lots of post-nasal drip with every time it, and I'm getting lots of people coming in with that at the moment and I mix up their herbs and I leave the herbs out thinking I'll put myself together something with fenugreek <laughs> and horseradish and I don't do it and I put them away again. Yes. Um, so, but for me, often self-care, it's not always mixing up herbs. It's my first self-care thing is having time to sit by myself Mm. I'm not very good at just sitting these days, so I might be sitting with a crossword or um, getting in touch with a friend that I haven't talked to for a while yeah. or when my front garden is back in, <laughs> when yeah. the plants are back in, which is a bit sad at the moment, you know, yeah. about that. When that's back, it'll be talking to the plants and, and pulling some weeds. And I don't mean dandelions because they'll definitely be staying mm -hmm. there. They're our friends. Um, <laughs> they're our friends. Um, but it'll, it'll be that sort of Really thing. pressing pause, um, huh? But yeah, it's, it's time to be quiet mm. is my yes. main one. But it, it's also, it is also going into my garden at the moment. It's only the the back garden to say hello to my plants mm. and I hadn't realised until recently the, um, the joy that, the, that there are lots of dandelions and there were lots of dandelions yes. in my back garden um, and you know this story because we discussed it the other day but having in a very, very determined and thorough gardener <laughs> to do some work and she was just to, in the back garden, she was just to do a quick mow for me. But we had lots of dandelions coming up between the pavers. And she got rid of them all because I'm 70 and my husband's 72 and, and weeds in the pavement between the pavers are a trip hazard. And Little I did just, she know. <laughs> I know that every morning I would go into the back garden and see their little smoke because they're growing where the sun hits them first up so they're open when I go out and seeing their happy little faces mm -hmm. and they're starting to come back but no flowers yet mm -hmm. and so I'm missing those mm -hmm. a lot. That special little so, moment. Yeah, that special little moment mm -hmm. and I hadn't realised how much that connection meant to me until I didn't have it. Taken away, yeah. 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 Great I, that they're so hardy and they will return. They, they will <laughs> return. <laughs> But I do have a mugwort that's over six foot tall now. I've kept her in a pot because I know that I'm not going to keep you on top of things, but she's grown out of the bottom of the pot oh, now. Yeah. Um, while I was in Broken Hill doing a retreat with Jackie Bushell, I came back and she had shot up about four feet while I was away, I think, and she's got her feet firmly in the soil. Gosh. Um, yeah. So, How old is that um, mugwort, Sally? Look, she was... Dear beautiful friend Kerry Alexander that you know through mm -hmm. estuary, Kerry gave her to me some time ago and I was a very neglectful, cruel plant <laughs> mother for a while and she was in a little pot and really struggling and suffering. Mm -hmm. And so recently I put her into a larger pot and she was very happy, but it wasn't until I put that ceramic pot Onto the um onto the soil <laughs> so she could stick her feet into the ah, where she right. really wants to be yeah yes. so yes. I'm not sure how old she is now but it's only it was only in that I was gone for two weeks and in that two weeks I think she must have I said maybe she grew three feet wow she was certainly wow. she's certainly up above the fence now and it's a tall fence she'd wow. be more than six foot tall now. And how does mugwort make its way, her way into your life, Sally? Um, 
I look, I really only knew mugwort as a herb that Dorothy had taught before. So, I, and I'm a very much a brown bottle mm-hmm. herbalist where I am. I, I do have herbs in my garden now, but I wouldn't use them for tincture making because I, I feel where I live is ah, too polluted. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I know my soil is quite healthy now, but I wouldn't mm. want to be using anything from it. For, for teas, I'm happy mm-hmm. to drink it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't use anything that's a root medicine from my garden mm-hmm. um, or anything as potent as a, a tincture where you're using a lot more plant yes. matter and extracting yes. a lot more out of it with the alcohol. Yes. I think I'd be pulling too many toxins out. Mm. So, mm. But mm. mugwort is into my life now. So with this plant that Kerry had given me because um, I'd wanted to develop a connection um, through Jackie Bushell, um, when I was on the retreat with Jackie at Broken Hill, we did a beautiful mugwort ceremony. And then last night she'd done a beautiful mugwort initiation. And then just time-wise, Sage Popham had a lovely thing on social media on mugwort. So I have always used her in a sleep mix for people. I know she's uh-huh. supposed to stir up deep dreaming, but mm-hmm. I find in very low dose, she, for people whose mind is really wide, she encourages um, as if you've got 100 different tabs open on your computer, Mugwort will help you shut down some of them in tiny, tiny drop doses. Mm. And part of a sleep formula, she works beautifully. You don't want to take that same sleep formula for years on end because then your dreams or yes. months on end, then your dreams Mugwort will become dreams. very vivid if you're yeah. a dreamer. Yes. But I, after the ceremony last night, I had a very, it was a very strong tea that I'd made. Mm-hmm. And I have been running around in ever decreasing circles, not <laughs> catching up with myself. Um, and the more frantic I get, the more frantic I get, if you know what I mean. Yes. And after the mugwort tea last night, I had the deepest mm-hmm. sleep. And I had a picture this morning of me running full pelt doing these ever-decreasing circles and Mugwort just came and put her arm out in front of me and went, thwack, stop. That's <laughs> oh, <funny>. okay. <laughs> you sort of get that card and picture of the person with their head reeling and yes. seeing stars. And, yes, yeah, got, you. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I feel a bit today, except yeah. for being nervous talking to you. Yes, yes, yeah. that's beautiful. And you yeah. spoke a little bit about um, some of the the whispers that you hear from your body when you're not investing in self-care. You talked about that yeah. that post-nasal drip and the, the voice being a little bit croaky. What other what other whispers do you tend to hear or sometimes ignore maybe? <laughs> so so the it used to be the tension headaches. Uh-huh. Um, but once I started practicing as a herbalist, um, it's a lot less of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of it used to be needing to have my thoracic spine adjusted a lot, but that's also <sighs> changing mattresses helped out a lot as well. Uh-huh. Um, the, ever since menopause, it's a creeping anxiety feeling in my solar plexus. Right. And when it first started happening, I didn't necessarily associate it with menopause. And I'm not a good practitioner that I don't go and seek help from other people I just self-treat all the time so it took me a while to recognize that's what it was and for that with Thania Ah, I found was my best friend beautiful um so with Thania the number one herb that I will turn to though will be chamomile Uh um chamomile is my main person picture herb or the first one identified with Mm mm-hmm now it's also vervain. Ah, yes. Um, Do you mind with... a little bit about chamomile and vervain and why they are so um, so important for you? So, so okay, so chamomile, again, is a person picture herb. Chamomile, very simply, is that person who relives the dramas of their day um, or you live your dramas twice. So you live your day the first time when it's happening to you and then you relive it in the second time when you're telling people about it. So the very, and you imagine like the, with the flower essences, you learn about the positive person picture and the negative 
picture mm. um, or the positive personality and the negative one. So the very negative chamomile will really dramatise every single little thing and they will tell the story with their voice changing in pitch and they'll mimic all the other conversations and they go on and on and on. Um, and the positive chamomile may tell you but it's not everything and it's not in such great detail and the chamomile person will feel everything in their tummy. Typically they'll get a bloated tummy perhaps like the um, like the centre of the chamomile, mm -hmm. little flower hearts around a little, you can see that like a rounded belly. Mm -hmm. um, the chamomile, it suits taurians, which is mm -hmm. my sun sign. Mm -hmm. um, so chamomile, I know that chamomile is, I just as soon as I heard about chamomile, I thought that's me. Vervain mm -hmm. is a lot like the bark batch vervain mm -hmm. um, in wanting to get everything right. I'm very focused on detail, um, sedative Virgos um, can be the Virgo, the vervain person, I should say. Can the vervain person will come into you with a list of things that they want to talk to you about? Mm -hmm. You don't interrupt them till they get to the end of the list, otherwise, you'll get them more anxious. And we don't want them to be anxious, we want them to really relax so you can learn more. Yes. Um, the vervain person may sit and fidget while they're talking to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have just recognized as I'm sitting here, I had bought in to have with me while we were talking one of my tulsi flowers and at the bottom of the flower or all the spent flowers where the seeds are as we're talking I'm going up the stem picking them off <laughs> crumbling them up and putting them on a piece of paper um, very nearly not the flowers just just the spent yeah I don't know what you call those dry little bits at the bottom yes. um so I don't pick at my skin I used to um when I had pimply skin as a teenager but I don't now mm -hmm. um is that another and, hallmark hallmark of a vein that that picking at the skin that picking at the skin yeah mm -hmm. um vervain dorothy taught is specifically for the peripheral nerves mm -hmm. um so the vervain person will often get irritated on the skin so and they they may jiggle an knee while they're talking to you they may be fussing and picking at their skin or constantly adjusting their hair or their clothes um picking a, a hard bit on the side of their fingernails mm -hmm. picking at rough bits on their face that sort of thing, mm. or stripping, <laughs> tool stripping, stripping flowers, <laughs> stripping tool flowers. Their hands busy, huh? Yeah, and I, I hadn't recognised the vervain until I was writing up notes for a Wise Women Gathering talk, and I was writing about vervain, and I realised that as I was writing about vervain, I wasn't going through my list and doing one thing at a time. I was writing the notes, I was answering messages, I was answering emails, I was mixing herbs for people, I was packing a bag, I was getting kitchen things ready, I was doing about 10 different things at once, mm -hmm. which is what I've been in the last few days as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> penny drop moment. Yes, um, all those tabs open. <laughs> yeah, well, not just the tabs open, but, yeah, <laughs> unpacking an order while mixing up somebody's herbs yeah. while replying yeah. to an email while commenting <laughs> on a WhatsApp thing for estuary learning well yeah <laughs> <laughs> so chamomile and vervain and how yeah. do they tend to make their way into your day so they will make my way into my day when i stop and i pay attention i go mm -hmm. get out the bottle i don't have either of them growing mm -hmm. um, i did try growing some vervain and i wasn't very successful but it will be when i go and actually pull the bottle off the shelf mm -hmm. And, um, and pour some into mm. a jar and make a formula for myself, not into a jar, into a 50 ml bottle and make a formula. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, though, I'm mindful and I just have to pick up the bottle and say hello uh -huh. um, and get as far as putting it on my desk and sometimes that's all I need. No, <laughs> I haven't even done that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, so just I that get... connection, smelling yeah. it. Yes, yeah. and I guess that first step is that pause that you spoke about earlier allowing yourself to recognize oh I need my I need my friends right now yes and then finding yep. ways to invite them in yes definitely. yeah I, I really love hearing um 
from everybody the different whispers that they hear from their bodies when they're not able to or haven't um, made self-care a priority because I think it really helps people to understand that it's not normal to feel like this way all the time. And if we're not listening and we're thinking that this is normal, then that's when the troubles start to arise. It's that tapping in and and recognising, oh, okay, you know, those headaches that I've been experiencing, that's not something that should be happening every day. (laughs) No, yes, I'm pushing those away. Yeah, and I think that's such a common theme in... I know know that I see a lot of of clients who do normalise... things that have gone wrong in their bodies and because they've been experiencing it for so mm. long it, it just starts to become something that happens every day and definitely they don't think that there's anything wrong <laughs> yes yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. I wonder Sally I know that um that you see a lot of clients who are busy and have a lot on their plate and I'm wondering what sorts of self-care advice you suggest to your clients Ah, so often the very first thing, because I find people are so overwhelmed, I don't want to give them too many more things to do. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I just start with a 50ml bottle of herbs mm-hmm. that may have some flower essences in it and asking them to take that mm-hmm. three times a day. Um, yes. With people who are really busy, I'll say put the three doses into a litre bottle of water and drink it across the day, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, especially if we're not working on digestion. But even if we are, if that's the only way they can take it, that's the way I'll take it. And then I'll often talk about self-care things later. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, once that habit's established. Once that habit is established. And mm-hmm. I, I feel not, there's nothing worse. I don't feel it's productive to give somebody who's already overstressed and overwhelmed mm-hmm. a whole list of things to do because you're only going, I would only be overstressing and overwhelming them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and occasionally you have, you know, like a highly driven Aries who wants to do a lot. Yes. Um, so I might give them three things to do, but even then I will, and they, oh, no, 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 you know, tell me, I, I really want something more to do. <laughs> so let's just start with this, you well, know, take this and, and here's some tissue salts as well. Mm. Um, and I want you to pull over in your car on the way home from work and stop for five minutes by the park that you pass every day and sit in the car for five minutes mm. before you get home. Mm. Um, or, or you've been going to bed at midnight. Well, let's bring that forward by 15 minutes every week. Yes. It, it will be a little, depending on what's going on for them, it will be a little things that I want I want people to feel successful about. Mm. Mm. I and don't I, want I love people how... to be set up for failure. No, and I love how you're not encouraging major change it's just little tweaks to what's already happening that feel doable so they they, people get that sense of achievement and want to continue Mm, I think that's really important I had one lovely lovely woman I've been working with and her the main thing that I wanted her to change straight away because she was having gut issues and anxiety and she was having a can of coke every day diet coke Mm-hmm. And I said, let's just cut that down to one every second day. And she was so happy with herself the next time she came back because she was only having one a week. Isn't that amazing? And that was way more than I had asked her to do. But she felt so good because she mm-hmm. had done it herself. Mm-hmm. And if um, you'd said to her, I want you to completely eliminate Coke, she would have been so overwhelmed yeah. and probably not even attempted it. <laughs> Look, I know I say to my patients, I know if somebody says to me that I can't have something, that something will flirt with me and it will, you know, whisper to me and it will shout at me and, yeah, and I'll Mm -hmm. give in and then I feel guilty so then I'll have another, probably chocolate with me, I'll have another piece, (laughs) definitely chocolate with me and I'll have another piece. So I I convert the chocolate into expensive dark chocolate and endeavour to do less. Yes, Um, yes. So, but, yeah, Yeah. the minute you you try and that, to me, denial, Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. And I think you, the Dorothy's teachings and and you sharing that legacy with with your students, so that people have an understanding of that person picture, really gives you an advantage in a, being able to tailor self care to you know it gives you a greater sense of that person. 
Yes. And what is going to work with them. So, you know, speaking of Vervain earlier and how they like lists. <laughs> Being able to tick things off, you know, tailoring things to suit that little quirk is helpful yes. too. Yeah. I'd love it if you could share a little bit more um, about the person picture and, and how that influences, I, I guess it influences your own um your own life but also how it influences your relationship with the plants and and your clients ah oh good question I'm not sure how to answer that one yeah I just I know that um a lot of people aren't aware of this beautiful deep way that um recognizing person pictures can support and deepen relationships with plants yeah Yeah, and and I I know a lot of people aren't aren't aware of this and and just touching on that would be really interesting I think okay okay so yeah so now sorry now I've got now I've got it thank you um Dorothy I believe had a history before she became a herbalist as a homeopath or had an interest in homeopathy and so a lot of her person pictures I feel and I could be saying the wrong thing here so I'm guessing but I, I feel a lot of her person pictures were developed from homeopathy and I believe that when she first started teaching she didn't teach person pictures it's something she developed later yeah. but her person pictures so there are about 50 herbs that she describes in her book herbal medicine which is very hard to come by these days mm-hmm. um, in that book she describes about 50 herbs as having person pictures and some of them are more symptomatic mm-hmm. rather than the true person picture but in the true person picture there are probably about 40 mm-hmm. of them and they will describe a particular personality type like we said with the chamomile and you might not and the vervain and agrimony briefly you might not see that straight away in somebody but then also when Dorothy described a herb she would describe iris signs with it as well so you might see a hypericon somebody who's a St John's wort type person but you don't immediately pick up on it but then you look in their iris and you see over the head area in the iris which is the area between 12 and 1 when we look at the iris like a clock face mm-hmm. and we look at that and there's a lot more white fibres that speaks to me from what I learned with Dorothy that they're somebody who needs hypericum. Mm, yeah. So then you can go back and ask them, if, if you haven't picked up on it already, um, do you have trouble sleeping at night because the wind is too loud or the lights are too mm. bright and they'll go, oh, yes, yes, I definitely mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hypericum person is somebody whose senses are hyper-acute. Yes. They, Dorothy talked about them being like the princess in the fairy tale, the princess in the pea. Yes. So they can feel things more keenly. Mm-hmm. Their physical nerve endings are more acute and there will be their, all their senses. So their sense of smell is more acute. They will smell something beautiful like a rose and could weep because it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. At the same time, a, a putrid smell will be really repulsive to them. Yes. They may cry at the sight of a beautiful sunset or a mother nursing a baby, but they'll also not sleep well at night because the street light or the full moon are bothering them right. and their partner will sleep through everything or the family sleeps through everything and, and the hypericum person wakes up in the morning and says, oh, you know, I hardly slept a wink. The, the wind was so loud and the garbage truck and the cat's next door and the possum in the tree and the yes. fruit bats and the neighbour's palm tree and all of those things. Um, so that's the the hypericum person I love the little analogy of the princess and the pea I I haven't been able to stop recognising St John's wort people since you put that analogy into my head (laughs) and I learned it from Dorothy so I can only it's Mm. none of it is my work it's Dorothy's work and that's why I'm so happy to Mm. it's a legacy and that's why I'm so keen to keep it alive and I think we can transfer to, I remember as a child first being taught different plants and, you know, recognising plants when you're in nature and and then, you know, being on a walk and not being able to stop observing and 
noting and oh that's that and there's a dandelion and, and there's some plantain and, and now transferring that to the person pictures oh there's a vervain and there's a cabal yes. and there's a yes. <laughs> yes we just can't stop categorizing and recognizing and, yeah. and deepening that that relationship yeah, yeah it's, it's and a some lovely... some people you'll tell as soon as they walk into the clinic yes um, or as soon as you get them on it. Zoom calls are a bit harder to pick. Mm. You'll start hearing it in the language. Yes. Um, and then Dorothy taught some very basic astrology, which helped further deepen the sort of things you can ask and then mm -hmm. to take astrology studies further again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Somebody like Nancy, is fab with Nancy Evelyn is fabulous. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I love with the person pictures too. I'm I'm not a practitioner of iridology, so I don't have that tool up my sleeve to help um, to help recognise which person a particular client may be. But I love how there are so many different areas of observing. You know, observing a person as they walk in the door, as they sit mm. down in the chair. Are they are they sitting still, relaxed? Are they fidgeting? And as you said, the language that creeps yes. in and the way they talk and describe themselves yeah always be observing and and I love that yeah it doesn't there's so many different ways of of gathering that information yeah and, and knowing that the person who has arrived really early and is in a hurry to tell you everything and race out to the next appointment is possibly going to be an alpha alpha person and yes the white yeah, rabbit the white <laughs> rabbit that's yep yeah, the other nursery rhyme picture yes yeah it's so one. good yeah, they are. They're really good. So, and, Sally, and you've – sorry, you, you go. I was going to ask you, do you find that when you get the right person, picture herb in somebody's mix, that yes. far more than what you think yes. it's going to do yes. will happen? Yes, absolutely. And all, I find when I share the story of how that I've, I've chosen that herb for them, there's just – you know they're sitting there watching me mix and I'm explaining to them why I'm putting this particular herb and this happened to me the other day with a young girl and I'm I'm speaking you know um this is this is the herb that you're that I'm putting in because you rush around like the white rabbit and and she's like light bulb moment you know and and I think that the healing starts oh before she's even started taking that herb, you know, she's definitely recognised that I've seen that in her yeah. and I've selected that herb specifically for her. She can see it going into the mix. She yeah. can't wait to try it. Yeah. You know, she's not thinking, oh, this is going to be horrible. I'm, I'm not going to be able to keep doing this and it's going to be a chore. She's thinking, oh, I can't wait. She's selected this particular herb just for me and I yeah. can't wait to see. And, and describing the flip side too, this is what we're going to see in you. Yes. As you continue to take this herb, yeah, yeah. it's beautiful, isn't it? And you're right there. The, I I feel the healing starts as soon as people have been properly heard, because you've given them hope. Absolutely, that somebody who's who's listened. Yes, yes, and I think and it's can... so rare that people are able to get that. You know, they're yeah. so used to at the moment, and since um, lockdowns, it's so much telehealth. In the, mm. in the medical profession so they're they're so lucky to get 10 minutes if that and yeah, if that, they don't yeah. feel heard they don't feel yeah. heard they often come to us because they haven't been heard before and just yeah. knowing that you know there's a cup of tea there's you know 45 to 90 minutes to just share your story and be heard yeah. and and not be rushed out the door as you said is the very beginning of the healing journey yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, isn't it? It really is. Sally, you've shared some lovely ways that you connect and weave the plants into your life. You spoke about the joy of seeing a dandelion flower and and spending some time with mugwort and even sometimes just pulling that herb out of your dispensary and, and, and spending a bit of time with it without even having to take it in. Are there any other um, rituals and routines you wanted to share with before we move on? I was, well, I was just going to say I didn't even talk about my beautiful Tulsi. Yes, please. So until my garden started getting this big makeover that's happening to it, it would be a daily cup of Tulsi tea. Um, I'll often mix it up when I have um, on days that I have patients. Mm -hmm. um, or a, a, Sometimes it's just a garden tea and then I'll do it on other days for myself as well. So garden tea I'm sure you when you talked yeah. about Caroline she would have talked about that yes you've talked about it yourself so 
picking whatever is edible in your garden and putting that into some tea. But Tulsi in particular, um, I had the beautiful chance to do a Tulsi initiation with Pam Montgomery when she was in Australia a few years ago, the last time she was here. And in the lead up to that, I had purchased a Tulsi. It was the first Tulsi that I had bought mm. and planted her in my garden. And I, I'm saying Tulsi, not Tulsi, because I went back to the shop where I had bought her from, an, an Indian grocery shop, and I asked about the Tulsi and the young woman behind the counter did not know what I was talking about until she very haughtily corrected me and she sort of said, oh, you mean Tulsi, Tulsi. Um, she was quite disdainful, disdainful that I'd got it wrong. Yes, yes. Um, so I now make a point of saying Tulsi. Um, so I planted this one Tulsi in my front garden. I would love to have more plants in the back, but it's south-facing and I don't have a lot of room. So my Tulsi in the front garden. And she, and I would go and sit with her every day, and she grew to be absolutely massive. And her flower spikes must have been at least, in old measurements, at least 18 inches long. Wow. Um, she was, oh, over, yeah, I couldn't tell you the measurements now, mm-hmm. almost as tall as me mm-hmm. and about the same around. Mm-hmm. And she was beautiful. When, I, when we had a very wet summer and I had gone away for a while, she developed brown scale and so I had to cut her back a lot, saved her, um, cut her back a lot and so I still have her and I have lots of her babies Beautiful. in the garden now so mm. that I normally connect, connect with her. She's currently been massively pruned back and she's out on the nature strip with her babies waiting to be rehomed. So I'm not using her at the moment because too many dogs are walking past and she's getting blessed by their, by their urine and their marking. Um, so I won't drink from her at the moment. I have a little one in the back garden that I'm using instead. Yes. Um, but she's the, the little one in the back garden I don't have quite the same relationship with. Ah, yeah. the mother. The mother's a special one. The mother's a special one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you are able to weave that self-care and, and pause, spend those yeah. moments pausing and really leaning into those herbs that you know are your person picture herbs, what sorts of benefits do you start to feel in your body and your mind and your spirit, Sally? Generally, I think I do weave those things in. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just this last little period of time I've not Mm -hmm. woven them in. Um, Things have been pretty hectic. Mm -hmm. Hubby's been unwell. Um, Mm -hmm. We're getting, trying to get a diagnosis for him. looks like he's got rheumatoid arthritis Mm -hmm. so a lot of stuff's been falling to me to do Mm -hmm. um and so I didn't but when I do weave those things in then I'm I'm just a a much nicer person yeah I've been getting very short with him lately Mm -hmm. um I don't feel like a headless chilt running and flapping Mm -hmm. around everywhere I don't have that Mm -hmm. anxious feeling in the pit of my stomach Mm -hmm. um my sleep is more refreshing. Mm. Um, generally, cope with everything a lot better when you when you're pushing yourself too hard. It's it's so much harder to cope with things. It's that old empty glass you keep on yes. pouring out to others, but you're not topping anything up for yourself. Mm. Um, mm. And so it is when you are topping yourself up. And keeping yourself topped up, not waiting till it gets empty and then topping it up, but yeah. keeping it topped up constantly yeah. with with daily things. Actually, one of the things I do do, which I didn't mention, is my daily gratitude practice. Mm. That, and I don't know why I forgot that because that has been a key for me for... I know I used to do it when we had our old... the first dog that we had and he's been gone for 12 years now, I think. And I did it for a number of years before he went. So I say I've been doing it for 15 years perhaps, maybe mm. longer. Yes. And it used to be a practice of every night taking him out the front for a wee and checking out where the moon was and the stars and um, mm-hmm. going through a list of five things that I was grateful for. I, I prefer mm-hmm. doing it verbally, mm-hmm. um, thought form rather than writing it down because quite often I've been writing a lot through the day. Yes. 
um, and now I tend to wake early and I just lie in bed. The mm. little dog that we have now I can't take outside for wheeze at night without putting a lead on him because he'd bolt. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but he hops up onto my bed in the morning and he lies there and I go through my gratitude practice and, um, and I mostly tend things now and try to vary them and that really has been one of the biggest things that I've done for mm. myself. Simple but powerful. Very simple and very powerful mm. and if I go two or three days without doing it, I really start to miss it. Mm. So yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. the most constant. Yeah, Apart from my really... morning cup of ordinary tea. Yes, yes. That's and that's mm. a that's one that anybody can do anywhere. And as you said, you mm. know, the, the doing it in your head or out loud is is just as powerful as writing something down. Yeah. I also love the Reiki precepts, particularly the just for today, I do not worry, which is one that I teach to a lot of my patients. I wanted to ask you before we finish up too, mm. um, can you tell us a little bit about the workshop that I was lucky enough to experience that you offer? Oh, very, very happily. Thank you yeah. for asking that. Um, I was going to say a bit of a chance for self-promotion, but it's not really self-promotion because it's Dorothy promotion. Legacy. So, yeah. yeah, it's Dorothy's legacy and mm. it's so important that we keep it alive and pass it on and I'll be expecting you to be passing it on too, sweetie. Yes. Because yes. um, I'm 70 now, <clears throat> so we need, need people web. like you. Yes, that web is growing. <laughs> yes, please. Um, so the course, it's a six, it's called The Art and Heart of Traditional Herbal Medicine. And then if you want to put a subtitle on that, it's bringing people and plants together because mm. I love how it is such a connection between people and plants using the person pictures and I in the six webinars each one is 90 minutes long and I teach about Dorothy's person picture herbs and going through them alphabetically and we bring in the iris signs where they're relevant um, the zodiac signs the way I learned it from Dorothy um, sometimes I'll bring in tissue salts as well where they're associated and it's just this really beautiful dive into a, a different way of looking at herbs that's not taught mm -hmm. um, these days um, with a, a lot more scientific approach that's done and it's a, it's for me it's a deep honoring of Dorothy because I feel that I gained so much from her and I really want to keep that alive for future generations mm. and I can testify that um being lucky enough to experience that course with you, Sally, has has truly deepened my relationship with the plants and changed the way that I practice herbal medicine and also the way that I interact with my clients. And as I said before, it's made me recognise person picture people everywhere like I do with <laughs> plants. Yes. <laughs> and what I also wanted to say too was um, when you were speaking about the benefits that you see in your mind and your body and your spirit when you are investing in self-care, it really helps to you to experience the flip side of those person picture herbs, right? Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Yes. I'm yes. doing a bit of study by not taking care of myself. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you're flipping yourself around to being experiencing that really beautiful positive calomel and the, and the positive attributes of vervain. Yes. Of which there are, true. of which you teach all of both the, what you, what you experience as a person yeah. when you're in that elevated state and when you experience the herbs, how you experience that state as well. Yeah. yeah. Now, as a final question before we finish up, I know you just um, you just shared that beautiful ritual that you experienced with Tulsi. Mm -hmm. Did you mm -hmm. have anything else in terms of recipes or rituals that you wanted to share in terms of plant medicine for self-care? Um, no particular recipe that I can think of apart from... Go, go out and make yourself some garden tea yes. with whatever's in your garden, garden. that says, or you, if you know that it's edible and the, that says to you, oh, I'd love to sit with you today yes. um, and to be part of you and for you to be part of me. Mm -hmm. so, and they usually, mm. for me, I find that they wink at me or they wave at me. Mm. Um, 
you know, some they'll be there and you know that you've used them the day before, but that day that they don't particularly yes. call. Yes. But other days they do. So that that would be my Absolutely. recipe. Absolutely. That, and that's really achievable too. I mean, there's so many culinary herbs that people often yeah. have for the kitchen that they don't realise have beautiful medicinal oh. benefits as well. And starting with those yeah. can be a really lovely way to start to experience garden tea. And for yeah. people who don't don't have any herbs growing at all, there's often a community garden nearby. Yes. Yeah, okay. or a neighbour has got a rosemary bush. Yes. Rosemary tea is beautiful. Yeah. Um, that's, that I, that's one I often combine with the tools here, particularly through winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah. Somebody always has that. And then you, if you grow tulsi, it's so easy to grow from cuttings. So then you have some and you have lots of little cuttings and you keep giving them to people. Sharing. So people then do have their own. Yes, and tulsi is a wonderful from, one. Just smelling, just smelling tulsi. You don't oh, have to no. drink or anything. You just touch the leaf and that Crush. smell. Yeah. Oh. So aromatic. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful herb. Well, thank you so much, Sally. This has been such a beautiful chat. Um, We will put in the show notes the information about your art and heart of traditional herbal medicine um, course. Thank you. Yes, I don't don't have dates yet for next year, but there will be another round starting in about, I was going to say February, but we've got the estuary event in February, so I might make it March, early March. Yeah, Yeah. something to look forward to. And so that'll be available in the show notes when this episode is released. Thank you so much. You know what I'd love to say as well? Teaching Dorothy's work, the highlight for yes, it's te- keeping Dorothy's work alive, but the people that it's brought into my life, like you and Jen and Caroline and so many of the others, Jane, yes. um, it's just brought so many beautiful people into my life because exactly. you come for the course and mm. the, the web is just getting stronger and wider all the time and it it fills me with so much joy it is that beautiful web isn't it and so as you said that legacy will continue yeah yeah Yeah. beautiful thank you so much for having me on today it's been a pleasure thanks so much sally enjoy the rest of your day sweetie and you to everyone who listens (laughs) thanks bye bye I'm so glad you tuned into this episode of Self-Care with Herbs, a segment of the Elder Tree podcast. The Elder Tree is a non-profit dedicated to empowering people through grassroots herbal education and earth skills, weaving a strong community of herbalists, healers and plant folk in Australia. The Elder Tree is in the beginning stages of creating a grassroots herbal education centre and healing sanctuary on the Atherton Tablelands, far north Queensland. You can head over to theeldertree.org to find out more and follow the journey on Instagram and Facebook. You can also donate to The Elder Tree via our podcast channel on Anchor or via the website. If you liked the episode, we'd love you to subscribe. And if you know who we should interview next, drop us a line. I hope you found something in this episode that has inspired you to begin to lean into those plant allies and to experience your practice of self-care blossoming and blooming. I look forward to sharing more ways you can weave plant medicine into your days next month.